Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daft Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski here with you studying Tractate Yoma, page Ted Zion, or 16. I want to begin on the bottom of 15b to continue our conversation about the sages' reports about what happened in the Beit HaMikdash. To repeat what I said yesterday, the sages lived, you know, in the earliest cases, a few years after the temple was destroyed, and in the bulk of the cases, dozens or even hundreds of years after the temple was destroyed. And from a modern perspective, we have to say that they didn't have what we would call historically accurate knowledge. They couldn't have known. They, they weren't there, and in fact, their intellectual forebears weren't really in charge of the temple. But they do both have some traditions that they are re- relating, and they are analyzing the Torah. They're reading the Torah and interpreting it. Um, so we're continuing on talking about the topography, the different rooms and the size of the different rooms, and their arrangements, different rooms in the temple complex. And I want to focus just on one item, which begins at the bottom of 15b from yesterday. Uh, it records that in, in a certain area there were four chambers, uh, the Lishkat HaTzla'im, the, uh, the chamber where they kept the lambs, was in one corner, and there were, there were uh, four sub-chambers there, I'm not on the page here, um, there were four areas, four chambers. One was the Lishkat HaTzla'im, one was the Lishkat HaChotamot, the, 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 the chamber where they kept the lambs, the chamber where they kept the seals, by the little coins by which the, uh, the worshippers would come and exchange them for offerings. The Chat Lishkat Beit HaMoked, one where they kept the fire going. The Chat Lishkat She'osim Ba'lechem HaPanim, and one where they break the bread. A different testimony comes up. And says, There were four chambers in the area where the, the fire was kept burning. And they were four small rooms that opened up into the, into the big, to the big uh, palace. Two of them were in the area of the temple. Two, two of them were, were literally... Um, Located in the area of the temple that was sanctified ground, and two were outside of the area that was considered sacred, uh, which will be important in a moment for us. And there were, Sefas uh, is a mosaic tile. I don't know that it was a mosaic the way we think of it as little tiles, but there was some sort of uh, perhaps parquet floor or pattern of the, the wood that marked where, where the sacred ground ended and where the, the unsanctified ground began. So what were those four chambers? Uh, it says the, the two that were apparently in the sacred zone were the chamber where the, uh, where the lambs were kept for the korban and the chamber where they baked the showbread. And the two that were apparently outside the sacred ground, the fourth one, uh, uh, the third one is the one I want to focus on, the fourth one is, was a passageway to get to the ritual bath, the mikvah. 
But the third one is the one that interests me because there's a fascinating story embedded in it. And by the way, as Hanukkah approaches, one that's relevant for us in these days. Uh, it says that on the third one, which was the Mizrahit one, it's to the northeast corner, Baginzu Beit Hashmonai, there the members of the Hasmonean family, that is to say the Maccabees, hid Avnei Mizbeach, Sheshikzum Malkei Avdei Kodei Kochavim. They hid the stones of the altar which the idolatrous kings had defiled. That is to say, Antiochus and, and all of his henchmen, uh, as, as you know the Hanukkah story, went into the temple and they offered a pig on the altar and they, uh, they defiled the altar. So what happened in the Hanukkah story? The, the Hasmoneans rededicated the temple, you know the famous story about the, the olive oil, but also we learned from our item here on our page today, which also, by the way, does happen to be uh, does happen to be a, a Mishnah in uh, tractate Midot. We learn that they also tore down the altar and rebuilt it, rebuilt it all all from scratch. That is to say, the altar had been defiled, so so they wanted to uh, start start afresh. Now, I want to share with you a commentary of uh, a significant significant uh, figure called Rabbi Yisrael Lipschitz, known as the known as the Tiferet Yisrael, who was the rabbi of Danzig in the 19th century, and a very interesting figure in his very interesting figure in his approach to science. He wanted to uh, expose himself to contemporary astronomy and geology and tried to correlate the Torah and its its legends to uh, to those sciences. Anyway, the Tiferet Yisrael raises the very interesting point that. Uh, from a halakhic standpoint, the thought that the Hasmoneans had to uh, take apart the altar is kind of dubious because uh, he says that anything like the stones of the altar which were attached to the ground are considered the ground and therefore undefilable. So the, the Greeks, Antiochus did what he did, wasn't good, and he admits, uh, Israel Lipschitz does, that uh, it's really ugly. It's a horrifying thought to just go on as before uh, the, and use as an altar what the Greeks had defiled. Nonetheless, the problem is that the that the sages that the Torah forbids destroying the altar. Forbids destroying the altar. That's a mitzvah deoraita. That's a mitzvah in the Torah itself. Um, and so, if they didn't absolutely have to, if the Hasmoneans didn't absolutely have to take apart the altar, they might not have been justified, he raises, he raises as a question. And then he concludes with the sensible and logical answer. Mirelli, it seems to me, he says, Since they did so for the sake of the honor of heaven, they had, in other words, nothing but pure motives, nothing but the proper motives to glorify God, it's not actually destroying the altar. They were really rebuilding the altar, and, and so, therefore, it was permissible. I'd like to think for a moment, though, about what people saw. Again, this is not a historical datum, that there was the stones of the altar kept there uh, in, the, in the chamber. But I'd like to imagine, just for a moment, that it's, that it's so. What did people see? As they came into, as they passed through these halls of the temple, the Kohanim would see both the full altar up top and the wreckage, the the wreckage of the previous destruction. 
it seems to me a very powerful kind of spiritual image that you have that you have both the symbol of perfection and the symbol of defilement right there side by side. Something like the the story that we have that, that both the tablets that Moses received the second time, the intact ones and the broken ones, were were held side by side in the ark. That's true of all of our religious lives, both intact and broken, side by side. Thanks very much for learning with me, and I look forward to learning again with you tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.